Welcome to the First John Bible Study Podcast, where we'll dive into the book of First John verse by verse to see what truths God is communicating to us. This podcast is brought to you by Brian Androsian from New City Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information about New City, visit newcityrdu.com, or you can follow us on all social media platforms at, at newcityrdu. Thanks for joining us. Now let's jump into First John. Welcome back to our Bible study through the book of 1 John. Today we're going to be wrapping up uh, chapter 5 and uh, bringing the entire book to a wrap. So this is going to be our last session going through this book uh, verse by verse. Today we're going to be in 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 through 21. Uh, just to give a, leak, uh, a recap from last week, last week we talked about the idea that God's commands shouldn't feel like a burden to us, that if we've truly experienced God's love, it shouldn't feel like a, uh, it shouldn't feel like a burden to show that love to others, that that should be something we're excited for and something that we want to do and not something that we feel uh, is a burden or something that we feel is difficult. However, we're imperfect, we're human, and there, there's going to be times when it can be difficult to follow God's commands and times when it's going to be difficult to show love to others or show love to specific people. However, the, the assurance of God's love, the assurance of Jesus' death and eternal life should help alleviate that burden that we can associate with following God's commands. So if we understand God's love, if we understand um, the reason that he has these commands, if we understand the reason that he uh, has instructed us to love people, if we kind of start wrapping our heads around the love that God has for us, it should start to help alleviate the burden that comes, that can feel like comes sometimes with following his commands. So that in mind, as we move into verse 14, as we move into this last section of this book, uh, John says this starting in uh, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. He says, This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So here John is reminding them, reminding his readers about the power of prayer. He, that, that we have the ability to go before God and ask him for the things that we need. And we, we know that he hears our prayers and though our prayers may not always be answered in the way that we want or answered in the way that is according to our will, our prayers will always be heard and answered according to God's will. So we can have assurance that we're not, that even though, even though it doesn't always work out, even though things don't always work out the way that we want, our prayers are never falling on deaf ears. We may not always get our prayers answered according to our own will, but our prayers are always answered. Our prayers are always heard and addressed, but they're addressed according to God's will. And we can have some assurance in that, that God does know what is best, that God knows, um, you know, he sees the full picture, he knows what the plan is, and so he, we can have assurance that he answers all of our prayers, and he answers them according to his will. And he continues in verse 16 and 17. He says, If anyone sees a fellow believer committing a sin that, does, that doesn't lead to death, he should ask, and God will give life to him. To those who commit sin that doesn't lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I am not saying he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin that doesn't lead to death. So these, are, uh, these verses are a little confusing, and they're a little bit difficult to interpret. And people have different understandings of what, uh, different uh, interpretations of what John is saying here. But when John talks about sin that leads to death, I think he's likely talking about a spiritual death, not a physical one. That this is sin that leads to separation from God or a spiritual death. A spiritual death which separates us from Jesus, separates us from God. So first he talks about somebody that falls into sin that doesn't experience uh, a spiritual death because they have a relationship with Jesus. So he's saying that if a fellow believer is dealing with a sin issue, is dealing with sin, to go before God and pray for them. That if you know someone, know a believer who's dealing with a sin issue, you should be going before God and praying for them to overcome this issue, praying for God to intervene and to help. Pray for their heart, pray for God's uh, uh, assistance in helping them overcome the sin issue. 
as for the sin that does lead to death, I think, I think it's most likely that John was referring to somebody who completely rejects Jesus. Somebody that, that understands, that knows who Jesus is, yet willfully rejects a relationship with him, and that that person is destined for a spiritual death. It's interesting that John is saying that he's, he's, saying, he's saying, I'm not saying that we should pray about that. I'm not saying that we should pray about somebody that um, is experiencing this sin that will lead to a spiritual death. Now, he's not saying don't pray for them. He's not instructing them to not pray for them. But it's almost as if he's saying that praying for someone who understands who Jesus is, who, under, who, who, who fully understands what Jesus did, and yet chooses to reject him, saying praying for that, he's almost saying praying for that person is useless. He's saying that, they, that this person understands who God is, understands who Jesus is, has heard, has heard the gospel, heard the story of Jesus, and yet if that person makes the choice to then reject Jesus... That they're the that they'll be that they're they're heading towards a spiritual death. They're heading towards being completely separated from God. And verse seventeen reminds us that all unrighteousness is sin. All all unrighteousness is sin. All sin is unrighteousness. Yet there is sin that doesn't lead to death. That a believer c- can and will sin, but this sin doesn't cause us to lose our salvation. You know, obviously th- this is obvious to us. We know this as just because we become a believer and a follower of Jesus doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean that we're completely going to be sinless. But there is sin that doesn't cause us to be separated from God permanently if we have a relationship with Jesus. That Jesus has intervened and become the sacrifice for us and for our sin. But we have to accept that sacrifice. And, and those that understand yet willfully deny Jesus will experience a spiritual death. So he continues in verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin. But the one who is born of God keeps him and the evil one does not touch him. So verse 18, is, is, it says that someone... Uh, born of God does not sin. I think a better translation here is that someone who is born of God does not go on sinning. It, it means it doesn't mean that believers will never sin. It doesn't. Obviously, we know this. Just because we have a relationship with Jesus doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect forever. It doesn't mean that believers will never sin. But it means that someone who is truly in God won't be won't be comfortable in their sin. They won't be comfortable in their sin uh, habits, their sinful issues. They, they won't be comfortable just uh, going on continuing to sin and and just. Uh, uh, just going on like that doesn't even matter. He's saying someone who is truly in God won't, will, will, will strive to not go on sinning. will strive to overcome these sin issues. will go before God and bring them before him and um, do what they can to overcome them. It doesn't mean that we'll be perfect, but it means that we shouldn't be okay in our continued sin. That if we have a sin issue we've identified, we shouldn't be okay with it just continuing. We should be doing everything we can, going before God and asking for help to overcome the sin issue. Because if we, if we know, if we understand the destructive power of sin, then as believers, we shouldn't want to continue in that issue. doesn't mean we'll be perfect, but it means that we should be striving to overcome. Then he continues in verse 19. As we close out this chapter, he says, we know, that we, are, uh, we know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know the true one. We are in the true one, that is, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. So John finishes this letter with a reminder of who we are as believers. That we are of God. The world is under the influence of the evil one, but we know that Jesus has, has, uh, has come to give us understanding of who God is and who he is. We are in God because of Jesus, and he is the only way to eternal life. That through Jesus, he is the only way to overcome the evil one. He is the only, one to, only way to overcome the world. That through Jesus is the only way to eternal life. And he ends this letter with a reminder to guard themselves from idols. 
that Jesus is the only one worth worshiping and to guard against uh, the things of this world that threaten to take the place of Jesus. The things of this world that we can often put above Jesus, they're put in Jesus' place. Whether we mean to worship something or not, these things in this world that we can elevate to a, to a godlike status, saying to guard yourselves against those. So as we wrap up this chapter, if we, as we wrap up this section, as we wrap up this entire book, uh, John is focusing here on, the, on, on effective prayer and giving us instructions on how to pray and who to pray for and, and what happens when we pray. So as we look at praying for fellow believers, as we look at praying for people that are dealing with sin issues, praying according to God's will and not our own, as we wrap up this section, this is the question I want, us to, leave, want to leave us with today, and that's this. It's who am I praying for? Who am I praying for? It's simple as that. Who in my life am I currently praying for by name? What, what believer do I know that's struggling with a sin issue? Who, who do I know that's confided in me, that they're dealing with some issues, that they need help overcoming? Who am I going before God and um, asking for help for this person by name? Not just generalities of God help everyone I know or God help this help you know, people overcome sin, whatever. But who, who do I know that's actually dealing with a specific issue that I'm praying for by name, asking God by name for this specific issue and asking God to intervene and help? Who am I praying for? Pray for this person by name. Set a, set a reminder every day to pray for this person by name. As soon as this video is done, or even right now, stop it and pray for this person by name. Don't let this be just a thing where we think that, that there's this person who needs prayer and, and I'm going to pray for him, like we do when we often talk to people and say, I'm going to pray for you, but we never do. Stop and actually make it a point to pray for this person, to pray for this person by name every day. Make it extreme every day or multiple times a day. Who, how can you pray for this, for this person in your life that's struggling every single day until we see a change happen? Set a reminder to pray for them. Make it a priority to pray for them. As we wrap up this book, if, as we wrap up the entire book of First John and look back over the themes and ideas that we've covered over these past 10 weeks, and, and as we look at what it looks like to show uh, love to people and praying for them, as we look at what it looks like to show God's love to people or how God shows his love to people through us as believers, this is the main idea I want us to remember throughout, the, not just this section, but throughout this entire book. And that's this, it's that love is active, not passive. Love is active, not passive. Love for others and love for Jesus takes work. It takes action. It's not something that we can just sit and talk about. It's not just something that we say that believers should be loving because, because we should, and we can just talk about it. it, makes us feel nice and not actually do anything. But love takes action. To, to love is an active word. It's not passive. It's not just something we sit back and hope happens. To love somebody means to pray for them, to pray for them by name, to go before God and ask for help in their lives, to actually pray for them. To, to love somebody, it means, means meeting their physical needs, as we talked about in the past. It means seeing a need and actually going out of your way in what you have to meet that need and not just hoping that, that, hope, not just hoping that God fills it in some other way, but praying for them, but then also taking the step of, of meeting a need and sacrificing out of your life to help them meet a need in their own life. It means showing them the love that Jesus has shown you. It means as we as believers have experienced God's love, it's our responsibility to show that love to others. It means taking the love that God has shown you, the forgiveness that God has shown you, and giving that to other people. Love is active. It's not passive. It's something that we need to work towards every day because, as we've talked about previously, God uses us as believers to show his love to other people, that people can see God's love through us. And if we're, if we're hiding that love, if we're being hateful or if we're not being loving, then we're actively hiding Jesus' love from them. 
that this is a big deal. This is something that isn't just something that's fun to talk about or something that's nice to talk about, but this is a huge responsibility that's on us as believers is to show love to others, even in times that make us uncomfortable, even in times that are difficult, even when it's not reciprocated, even when uh, it's hard or people we don't feel like people deserve it because as we've talked about before, we in no way deserve the love that God's shown to us that I don't deserve the love God's shown to me, that every day I prove that I don't deserve it, yet he shows that love, and, that, and we, what he asks of us is to show that love to others as well. So who can you love this week? Who can you pray for this week? Who have you been struggling to show love to? Who is hard for you to love? Pray for that person. Pray for yourself. Pray that, that God would help you show love to them, that you would be able to be used as a tool to show God's love to somebody else, even when they don't deserve it, even when it's difficult, even when you don't want to, which, which if we're being honest, it happens to all of us sometimes. But who can you show love to this week? Remember that love is active. It's not passive. And that's what we see from the book of 1 John. Thanks again for joining us for this Bible study. New City Church is a non-denominational church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information, please visit newcityrdu.com or you can follow us on all social media platforms at, at newcityrdu.com.